0: Hey, there they my are, boys. My boys are slow. Yeah, they are. My boys are slow. Like I like them. Hmm. <laughs> slovenly.
1: <laughs> slovenly. They,
0: uh, they they sleep on the floor or a pile of cardboard on the floor, but never a bed. Jeez. And uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, they don't have in, a bed. They're in
0: one room. Probably. My nope.
2: sweet slovenly boys.
0: <laughs> yes, I love them. I love them for that. They uh, they all they do shower, but they're always damp. Mm, weird combination
2: yeah it's just the humidity in their shared uh, flat is 80% or more
0: Uh, or higher yeah yeah Yeah. I'm glad glad you amended it at the end actually
3: I have a a
2: question for you about humidity
3: because I'm wondering so we we got a humidifier recently in our our bedroom because Autumn heard that uh, humidifier basically makes it so that the coronavirus or I guess other viruses can't live as long in the air uh, it, mm. if humidified. Now I don't know if that's true just something that she read a lot of humidifier and it's good to have in the bedroom anyways regardless um, every morning when I wake up I open the windows and the windows have a thin film of moisture on them from the humidifier does that turn into mold mm. like black mold and could that eventually kill me? <laughs> because <laughs> because I see I see the I see that and I'm like look around for like you know like black mold and stuff like that and I'm always like what should I do about how do I clean this? You know like what, what how do I do that? I don't know. I'm not sure. And any, any? Criken, you're our mold expert here.
2: <laughs> I am. Yes, and I as the expert know that moisture makes mold. Yes, that's right. So uh, at the end of the day, you can trade, uh, you know, the pseudoscience of maybe a fire. fire kills the coronavirus, <laughs> right. or I'll die by mold in 10 years. And you can, you know, kind of pick your poison at this at this rate. I, uh,
3: I don't know that it's true. I mean, people obviously, I know black mold is bad for you. Um, and I don't know even enough that I have that black mold. But it's still one of those things in the back of my mind that I'm like... Is this better for me or worse for me? Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm going to go on a limb and say better. Uh, better to have the humidifier?
0: Yes. Okay, great. All right, um, good. You know what?
3: That's all I needed. That's it. Okay, that's it. I'm not the expert. I know, um, but that's, I, I would, just needed one person to say you're going to be okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've i had multiple times in California, I've had like little moldies grow in my bathroom because of the humidity, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, I see Dr. Signor in there in chat. Um, they're, they're just like bleach uh, sprays that you can just rub surfaces down with, and it, it annihilates mold instantly. Oh, okay. Um, but I think, I think the mold you get in California most of the time is not black mold. Uh, it's just innocuous mold. I don't know what it is about the, uh, the, temper- the like atmosphere here. Because in Texas, it, it's humid all the time. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's so weird to live in LA and have it be the exact opposite um but yeah uh that was never a problem in texas bizarrely despite the air being the consistency of a damp rag all the
1: time <laughs> yeah.
0: so yeah that was a weird thing to see like little black speckles start i thought there were bugs the first time i saw them i was like ah oh, shit there's like flies germinating on my my oh. ceiling and the, so yeah I, I like called the uh i called the super and i was like i got bugs and they're like no you idiot that's just mold you wipe it down i was like but I have to.
2: Now <laughs> yes. I'm freaking out. man. I'm looking around. It's going to start showing up. Well, you
3: should. So the reason this comes up is because uh, this was years and years ago. I had an ex-girlfriend who lived with me. And just one day she just woke up with some of the worst hives I've ever seen on any person ever. And I was super really worried for her. So basically what I started doing, like she had to go to the emergency room. They pumped her full of Benadryl. Because um, c- they were like, "This is probably an allergic reaction." They said, "They said this is that's generally what this is," and it lasted for about five days. She had hives for five days, which is wow, a, just a nightmare. That's a nightmare. Um, Bruce, what did you do? I, right. Well, so that's what so what happened was I I cleaned out my entire house. So like I I washed every single linen. I washed all the cabinets with all the linens in them. Um, I checked all the windows and screens and like I, I you know I wiped down and I, what I noticed. I started noticing on the screens were like just like little things that could have been mold and so I started thinking to myself well oh, fuck is, is, is like the humidity from just us generally sleeping in here causing mold on the screens which are then causing an allergic reaction I, don't, I wasn't sure, I have no idea um, we never found out we
2: never found out what she was allergic to oh, then back to get it, it well,
3: it's, so, it's it sucks because it was I, I wish that we had finally like the emergency room, the doctors yeah. had told her oh it's this
2: um, but yeah, we yeah. never knew but yeah it sucks to go through such a violent reaction and not know what caused it yeah and walk go through the rest of your life and be like i hope i don't whatever that <laughs> was no, happens again i
3: felt terrible for her. and uh lessons i learned was you generally can't overdose on benadryl because when they when she went they were like they gave her loads of benadryl and there and mm-hmm. and she was tired obviously because benadryl makes it tired but they were like uh they were like nah it's all right if we give her you know like Twelve hundred, you know, like what, two thousand milligrams of Benadryl, she'll be fine. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, so that's that was a lesson I learned. Uh, she just never had it again, so I don't know. I hope she's okay.
1: <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, super weird.
0: Man, yeah. The, the, Stephanie's entire life has been a process of trying to figure out exactly what she's allergic to. Um, the short answer is everything, but. <laughs> There's really no, like, consistency to it. Um, however, uh, the aforementioned air purifier... Wait, I may not have aforementioned it on the podcast. Whatever, we have an air purifier. Um, and it's a, it's a really fancy one, too, because it has a little number that tells you, like, how dirty the air is. And the number, like... The number will, like... There's also a light that'll turn red if the air quality is really bad, and it'll kind of, like, kick into high gear. Most of the time, it's fine. It's just, like, at five. And it's, like, the light's green. Apparently, the air's fine. But I've noticed... Whenever I t- whenever I rip the sickest vape hit, um, and then and then I, I blow it off and look really cool wow, for a little absolutely. bit. Absolutely, yeah, for a little bit. Um, the air purifier like spikes up to one hundred and fifty and then goes back down really quickly. Hmm. So I've wondered, hmm, maybe it's my maybe Stephanie's allergic to my fat vapes. Uh, so <laughs> well, that's too bad because
2: you're not going to stop fat vaping.
0: <laughs> you're absolutely right, Kraken. Um, I have started I have started doing the cool thing and blowing it into my sleeve. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that that will uh, that'll prevent any <laughs> adverse reactions. Lawrence, I think you should, go, um, I should I think you
3: should go the opposite way. I think it should be oh, like a, vape more. It should, it should be like a breathalyzer where you try and break the air purifier with your vape. So you sit there and <sighs> vape into the air purifier over and over and over and, t- and see how high you can get that level of uh, dirty air. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good
0: idea. And I, if herd immunity works for COVID, it has to work for vape allergies, right? One hundred percent. So one hundred percent. So here's here's okay. So here's the rig. I guess I have the air purifier on one side, and Stephanie uh, taped to a chair on the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I just I need to do some long exercises to to work up my my vape capacity. But uh, I want to just like I need to just saturate them both with the fattest, sickest clouds that I can possibly blow. <laughs> the dankest.
3: Steph, oh, what is Stephanie saying?
0: You can't, you can't live your entire life being allergic to dank. <laughs> That's not a life worth living. Nah, you'll come around. You have no choice, really. We're gonna, we're gonna have a clockwork orange sort of setup. Oh my god! Have your eyes clipped open while I'm blowing vapes into your face. Um. <laughs> this is this is two months into quarantine. This is where we're at.
2: Dundarius Darius in your chat Bruce brought up the uh, the sploof. Have you did you guys ever what's use a sploof back in high school? No, what's that? You get a uh, toilet paper roll, you rubber band a dryer sheet on one end, and when you're and you blow into it and it like Oh, it, it cleanses like, the boom. air, right? Yes, yeah. So it, so
3: you can smoke weed I, in your I house with that. your parents. And yeah. they'll never know because it smells like dryer sheets? I mean, what, they're going to walk into your room I mean, and be like, uh, why does it smell like freshly laundered clothes? <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: it's pretty, it's pretty, it still smells. It's just like, it doesn't, the smoke doesn't immediately like, you know, fill the room and go to the, uh, you know, smoke detector or whatever. It's, right. it's kind of a, it's like the stealth, it's the silencer of, <laughs> of smoking, you know?
3: <laughs> That's a... Uh, that sounds really cool. You, you sound really, really cool, Dragon.
2: Thank you. Someone just said it's a placebo, and I am rethinking it, and you may be right. It probably <laughs> doesn't do anything. But
0: <laughs> nothing, nothing you do when you're an idiot teenager covers the smell of weed. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I used to. I used to um, the, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just. My sister used to burn incense like every other idiot teen. Right. And that just made it smell like weed and incense. Yes. And it was really cheap, weed, too, so. <laughs> I would come home and just get a terrible headache because of the just ridiculously noxious fumes in the air. And I remember just, like, knocking on my sister's door and being like, can you guys just do that somewhere else? And then she was like, we're not doing anything. And I'm like, what? I don't care.
3: (laughs) Just please. Gives me a damn headache. I I never felt as old as I did that day. That's like when I would, like, masturbate at home, but my parents were home and you'd have to hide it. And so, like, you'd have to be, like, in your room. I close the door and you'd be like, oh, they don't know. Or like you're in the shower for more than 10 minutes because as a you know 15-year-old boy, you, you generally only shower for five minutes and all of a sudden your shower is 30 minutes long. And you're like, my parents don't – they don't know. Somebody could be in the shower for 30 minutes,
2: right, guys? No. They, yeah. they always knew. You have a hard day. Well, I have, a, I have to admit, I have always taken 30-minute showers oh. my entire life. I, I, I just – I sit in the shower and I stare – I just stare at the wall and i just let myself be completely you know washed away well, that sounds and then nice. that's also where i do my thinking i do a lot of really great thinking in the shower well i never did um i d- you just jerked
3: up i d- well no no i actually didn't do that very often in the shower but if the mood struck me if i was if uh, i was feeling romantic <laughs> that day yeah then uh, it would take a little longer because normally i would take like really quick 5 minute shower you know just like knock it out get out and move on with my day but uh, but if i didn't and i used to be like and then i don't think i remember once my mom asked me she was like uh i was really embarrassed about this this wasn't about masturbation it was about body hair um and she asked about she was like hey i like um why like why is there so much hair on the floor of your shower and i was like getting older and i had body hair like i so I think I've told, I've told everybody this a hundred times, but I was, I was shaving every day at 14. So it's was really hairy already. And mm-hmm. so I was pretty hairy when I was 16. And so, and she was like, you know, is there any way you can clean up uh, all the hair? And I was like, I, I pretended like I didn't have that hair because for some reason, when I referred to pubic hair, it made me embarrassed because I did not want to talk about my genitals in front of my mom, right? So I was like, mm-hmm. I said, what hair? <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she went she went you know the this she went, yeah she, she's she pointed <laughs> she, she literally pointed out she's like this hair and i held up a fistful of bruce's I, I was <laughs> i was like bruce this i was like look at it I, and I said i said oh you mean my leg hair mom like i i made sure to say leg hair i was like you mean my leg hair um, and she went mom you idiot and I, <laughs> that's my leg hair <laughs> and, and and my mom looked at me and she went Right, leg hair, and then she's like, "Just clean up the hair," and walked out. Oh boy! <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck!" My mom knows I have poo <laughs> So that was that was. I don't know if you guys ever were embarrassed about that stuff in front of your parents, but I always was. Oh yeah,
2: no, it was. Uh, I mean, I don't think my parents would even like talk to me about it, though. I, I think they were even more embarrassed than I was. So it was a it was a uh, a no fire a ceasefire on both sides. Oh, that's good. No man, it was like, yeah, no man's land for the entirety of my, my childhood.
0: <laughs> Did you prefer that? That seems like, that seems like the most agreeable situation.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. I think so. I'm trying to think, like, I'm sure there would have been times where it would have like, been nice to not, like, feel like you gotta, like, tiptoe around stuff, but that's a fine line, too, because then there's, it, it's much more likely for it to, like, go too much the other direction you know
0: oh you don't want to get too comfortable
2: or you're yeah, just in the living room
0: your dick in your hand <laughs> <laughs> and then they bring over my exactly. like company
2: yeah i
0: believe me i know i know what you're talking about
2: yeah no i think I'd, i prefer the you know we won't go there if you won't go there sort of thing
0: i think uh my parents were in the a- the throes of a divorce when i hit masturbatory age so
2: mm.
3: They had they had other things going on. They had larger. Well, that's pretty that's, much that's, left to my own device. I was gonna say that means you could masturbate anytime you want, anywhere you want.
0: Yeah, um, but that was only that was that was just complicated by loads of Southern Christian guilt and mm. not having an adequate connection to the internet. So it was like Indiana Jones in search of uh, in search of both masturbatory technique and also the the. the the materials to accomplish it. Uh, It was, it was, there was a thrill of discovery. I won't lie. Um, But uh, it, it created, created a very confusing and exploratory
3: uh, age 13 and 14. Did the, so I I think Lawrence, you and I have maybe talked about this, but um, did you ever get, did you get the sex talk Lawrence? Uh, no.
0: The most, the most I ever got and I remember it uh, pretty vividly was, there was a there was a point where gosh I think I was like ten or eleven, and um, some of my contemporaries uh, in school were more wise in the ways of the world than I, so they were they were making some dirty jokes that I fundamentally didn't understand because I grew up with the Lord, <laughs> so um, in discussing these with the innocence of a child, my mom. And I remember this because it's the only time she's ever said anything about it. She simply said it goes in that And that was the well, end. all right. Of it. <laughs> uh, that's
3: a good sex talk wait She's right <laughs> referring
2: to anything or just yeah No, just just that and I was like, huh, okay That gives me some information were there were there picture accompaniments or was it just oh no 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 <laughs> What was the context?
0: Uh, I can't remember. I think I was I think I was uh, I was sharing some new information that I had gained on the playground out loud uh, in the room, and also sort of expressing some deep confusion about the things that I had heard. Um, and yeah, that was, uh, that was... And then she, that and was she about, clarified for you. <laughs> yeah, which I mean at the time gave me enough to put to like puzzle through in my own head, right. so you know, I, I wasn't immediately thirsting for more information. Also, that was like before I had really gotten my first hormone kick, so it was more of an academic pursuit than anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. They were not matters that mattered to me personally at the time. Uh, years later, that would change. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but um, so, the situation got rough because my mom moved out, which is which is weird, um, considering that my dad was probably the one that fucked everything up, <laughs> as, as, it, as it goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, at 14, my dad was the last person I was going to ask about matters of love, considering he... <laughs> considering his, his love life was detonating... Right in front of my eyes, so he didn't seem like a reliable source. Right. Uh, and also, he like had this weird habit of just wandering into my room and, and just sort of laying down on my bed and sort of talking out loud as though I were a therapist about his marriage that was de- that was falling apart. Oh man, yeah, weird times. He he just really needed somebody to talk to, and I guess didn't have anyone. So, and my sister, because she had cool friends that smoked weed, was wise enough to not be in the house ever. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, weird, so like you weird, got, weird face. Got caught in the middle.
3: Uh, it, kind cr- of, yeah. Did you ever have the sex talk Kraken?
2: Nope.
3: Wow, um, ah, neither of you guys? Wow.
2: No, I, I was a very intuitive kid, and so oh, sure. I think they <laughs> just assumed that I would have figured it out <laughs> in my own pace. Uh-huh. Uh, I think when I first got a girlfriend, there was like an awkward, like, you do know what a condom is, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, good. And they like <laughs> ran away. <And> they're like, <laughs> and oh, that was, was the just, end. To, that was the end of it. That was, that was the end of it. Yeah. They, they just, they wanted me to, you know, be safe. But that was, that's really it. They, they trusted me to do the rest.
0: They didn't give you condoms?
2: Mm-mm-mm. Definitely
0: Ooh. not. My I, uh, I remember, I think when I was, yeah, when I was 18, I bought condoms at a Seven Eleven because I could, not that I had any prospects of using them, but it, it just felt right. Um, I think I had those in my computer desk for the longest time. So they were within arm's reach while I was playing through many PC games alone.
3: <laughs> I had, I had one condom that I hid in my, in my wallet. Okay.
2: I thought you were going to say that you kept reusing. It oh, was my oh no, no.
3: <laughs> what? Oh, come on, dude. I don't think. Look, I have rinsed ne- it out first. I don't, I'm, look, if anything, Kraken, I'm hygienic. All right. <laughs> so I would never use it again. Um, but I had one that I, I had in my wallet because I, if my parents caught me with a condom, they immediately would have been like, what the fuck are you doing with a condom? Are you having sex? And then they would have flipped their Mm. shit. So I hit it. I hit it in my wallet, um, and never used it. (laughs) Like,
2: yeah, (laughs) I, I was about to say, I think I have like an ancient condom in my wallet too from when I was like in in high school. It's like been flattened out to the point where I don't think it's like, I don't even want to know what consistency it is because it's become, it's just always with me. Never, <laughs>
3: never. No, used. no, it's, I mean, like, and also, by the way, you should not keep a condom in your wallet for more than like yeah. six months because I mean, after that, they expire. Yeah,
2: they, they, they don't work
3: anymore and they'll just rip. Yeah. So don't use, do not use an old condom if you've been like sitting on one for a long time. Yeah. But. Uh yeah F my chat said F to uh, RecArt said F to that condom F to pay respects.
2: <laughs> hey maybe you should bust it out one one last time for for old times' sake. You know? Give it a
3: shot. Yeah,
2: one last ride. Give, give it the use it never it never earned.
3: <laughs> one last ride.
2: <laughs> one last ride.
3: <laughs> Except that's just me masturbating with it. <laughs> yeah. and it would just it would like yeah. immediately rip and I'd be like yeah that's that's about right
2: and that's I should have expected that yeah
0: <laughs> it disintegrates like, some
2: of it Do goes it. inside Do you it, UTI <laughs> you had me all this time just come on just one last ride <laughs> well,
3: I also used to th- <laughs> I also used to think that like condoms were sexy so I used to be like oh like, oh, like okay ha-. now we're getting well, somewhere and the reason and the reason was I finally figured out years later was because they meant that I was going to have sex, and I had never had sex. Oh. So I was like, condoms mean... If I, if I am There's holding a condom, right, it means I'm going to have sex, but I never did. Mm. So...
2: So would you jerk off holding a condom and, and that if, was like, like... stare at it? That, yeah. That's all you needed? You're like, <laughs> one day. <laughs>
3: um, I never did that. But I do know that... I do know the thought of a condom turned me on when I was 16. Although everything... Turned me on when I was 16 years old. Literally every single time. I mean, like, it didn't, it took nothing at all. It was funny. I just, I saw uh, one of my mods in my chat, SGK, Sarah say, why do men talk about jerking off so much? And my immediate answer right away in my head was because they jerk off so much. Like, that's when they're, when they're.
2: Yeah, but I think, I think, I think women jerk off a lot too. Uh, It's just that I don't think it's as socially accepted. It's not. It as, should be. As it should be. The men one is. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's that's my my read on it at least. Yeah. No.
0: I think dudes take an odd amount of pride in doing the most mundane physical tasks. <laughs> I don't know why. Like dudes are often very proud of their shits too. Um, even though everyone does it, and I'm going to be honest, a lot of the a lot of the bow movements that I've heard described in lofty terms are not that impressive. Um, <laughs> wow, L- Lawrence throwing so, down the gauntlet on that. Wow, I, I'm just saying. I'm speaking in generic terms. People are often
3: very proud of, of their sounds shits. It's like when, Lawrence when is bragging about his own shits.
0: I I am much like Aristotle. I think I am I am merely wise because I recognize my own bowel movements are not that not that interesting. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. It's been a ride this
3: last week. But uh.
0: that notwithstanding, I, I think I, I'm comfortable uh, generalizing half the human race when I say that men are. Undeservedly proud of their routine physical expression. I would agree.
3: I would agree.
2: It's fun. Yeah, I I have never talked about poop or bragged about pooping. I don't I don't see the appeal. It's like, well, I should be proud of of going a long time before pooping and then do a like a oh. I, I waited so long this time, guys. Well, <laughs> what, what does that mean? It's, it's Why, there's got to be that, right? It's
3: interesting you bring that up because that's that was never it was never that like you waited a long time for me at least with like because like my friends it, that was the thing like we would we would talk like if you farted really loud or really or really, really lo- like long wow that's a huge deal right like everyone would be like holy shit like because you your body produced no. some inhuman <laughs> like and so anyway I, I, <laughs> I was gonna say sorry, we, so time. this is my upbringing so um, so if you happened to shit out something that was the size of a baby's arm then it would be like that's to, to, to a man that's like giving birth right that's like wow I am so number one I'm really glad my body got rid of this poison and number two I can't believe that I was able to produce this thing <laughs> from from my bowels <laughs> and uh, I, cause I remember so along one of my first best friends when I was like 15, 16, um, he he was going through old pictures of him and his brother. And he's like, hey, check out this picture. And I, I had no idea what it was. And he held it up, and it was his brother, his brother, probably like, I don't know, eight, eight years old, with his hand uh, over top of a toilet next to a giant shit. And the reason was his brother had put his hand in the picture for scale on the picture of the poop. And I think it was because his, bro- his brother had shit and then he had uh, he had compared his hand to the size of the shit. <laughs> and I laughed and laughed and laughed because i had never thought of doing that. I'd never thought of being like, oh, you know what? When I poop, I'll look at it, see how big it is, and then put my hand for scale
2: next to it to see like how big I actually produced. I thought it was just amazing. Something I never would have done. I'm uh, realizing I'm realizing now that I don't think Bruce and I would be friends in high school. I don't think <laughs> I, I don't think I'd run in the same circle as him.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, Craig, and you seem you seem abnormally dignified. Oh, you're totally you uh, were
3: you're, you're absolutely uh, definitely dignified. And, and, and truth yeah. in, in truth, by the way, I would never have done that. It was more of the. Just the fact that they took the picture that I thought was hilarious. I I could la- mm-hmm. I can laugh at anything, so I obviously laugh at that. I never would have thought of doing that, to be honest with you. I never would have even thought of taking a picture of it and been like, wow. <laughs> what an amazing... I mean, and this was a developed photo. This is a long time ago. This wasn't like they took a picture... Of- wait, wait. Yeah, this was... They had it was- They had developed the picture. Like, they had taken it oh, to... Oh, God. I was
2: thinking a cell phone. No, no. no this is like, no.
3: they full on... Like an actual oh, camera. God. They use like a disposable camera to take a picture and then to develop the picture in like a CVS or something. So somebody had to look at it.
2: (laughs) Genuinely a mom get the camera. Like, (laughs) mom, where is our camera? I need it. Yep. And then they, because that eight year old kid is not going to CVS to develop those photos. So the mom is bringing all of their photos of their last vacation and whatever. And then her son's shit amongst them. Right. They hand it off to some poor CVS employee who has to develop it and then hand it back and be like, this is the weirdest fucking family. Well, this is a child's arm next to poop. I, I <laughs> Well, to their credit,
3: the entire family was like that. So, like, I'm sure that... What? I'm sure that their mom... The entire family's taking poop well, pictures? Well, they weren't taking the pictures, but they laughed at it. So, like, uh, okay. my, my friend's brother's mom was totally... She'd be fine with it, right? Because she thought it was hilarious. and Which is great, honestly. That's a pretty good family unit, in my opinion. If they all have the same sense of humor and they're laughing at stuff, that's pretty cool. Um, but... It didn't matter if she took it to CBS to get developed because she she was the one that would laugh at it. So that's, uh, that's kind of nice. I mean, they're encouraging each other.
2: You know, support has many different
3: forms. It does.
2: And I suppose it's all beautiful. So who am I to judge? Exactly.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah. This is
0: an interesting comment from chat. Uh, Dr. Senor writes, someone did bring this up as a hypothesis that the pride from receiving praise from mundane human things from a young age somehow gets imprinted on males more than females, so basic bodily functions become something to brag about. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Huh. I don't... I don't recall... I I, have seen that happen, though, of, like, of kids just getting praised for, like, you know, eating properly or, you know, taking a shit in the proper place. Things like that. So, I don't know. Um... I could see that happening. Or that like dudes just react to that praise differently and then they, they kinda seek that out as an adult. Or really? they they yeah, since that praise gets imprinted, then they feel that same feeling of pride for doing the bare minimum like but we don't like talk about brushing our teeth or anything. Maybe we should. Do you guys brush your teeth
2: today? Yep. I just woke nice. up, I haven't done it yet. Ooh, cracking, no. Sorry. I do I do it oh, man, you're, I do it right away. I was gonna eat and then do That's it. That's a
3: good idea. You could do that too. Then you get you get rid of the food that you uh Either way, Craig. as long as you brush your teeth. Okay, thanks, guys, <laughs> for
2: let me
0: Let me pose, this is one of life's grand problems, and if we can solve it right Let's now, do it. I think we'll not only do me a favor, but also our entire audience's. Brushing in the morning. Uh, we should all do it. We all try to do it, God knows. But what happens when you sit down for a nice meal, you got your eggs, you got your bacon, you got some, some, some farm potatoes over there, Eat it all, delicious, wonderful, but you still got this cup of coffee, and you want to just keep on sipping on it as you start your morning mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. When do you brush your teeth? Because if you're sipping on this coffee for another hour and a half, well, you got to wait till your coffee's finished to brush your teeth. Do you brush your teeth before, and then immediately hit your mouth with that coffee and, the, and that, that food? If you do it
2: after, then it's dinner time. Lawrence, I've got yeah, I've it's got already your, dinner time. I've got your answer, Lawrence.
3: I have your answer. Okay, because Give I have talked with people. Uh, one of one of these people inclu- uh, that's included is Autumn. I don't, I, she's not here to defend herself, but this, <laughs> defend. Is, this is something that she... Well, sorry, she wouldn't defend herself, but she would just... This is something <laughs> that, that she would that she's done, which is like what you just said. It's like, well, yeah, I'm going to drink coffee. Breakfast is going to take, you know, whatever, two, three hours if it's a leisurely Saturday, right? And then eventually, wait, it's dinner time. Why would I brush my teeth? I might as well just eat again, and then I'll wait till midnight. No, the answer is absolutely not. You brush your teeth as soon as you get up, right away because there's a lot of garbage plaque bullshit that's on your teeth from the from the you know the night's sleep it's really bad for it to sit there and also your breath is terrible so brush your teeth cleanse your breath then sip your coffee drink your coffee just like a normal person ha- have a nice leisurely Saturday and brush your teeth again at the end of the day there's the answer
0: <sighs> okay thanks doctor <laughs> compounded problem. <laughs> Um, I, I agree with this in principle, but, wait, where am I going with this?
3: Okay, so he- You can argue with me. Please argue with me. I think you should.
0: Not an argument. This is just an efficiency problem. Uh, I, I guess the idea is you get up, you, you do your morning piss or whatever. You pee out the morning wood. And that's when you brush. After that, you, you get up, you, you whiz, you wash your hands and then you brush your teeth and then you make breakfast. And then you start your day. That's how. That's the ideal way to do it.
3: I mean, I don't know what the ideal way is for me. It's my my actual routine is get up, uh, maybe start some work a little bit for like a half an hour, and then go shower, brush teeth, come back to continue the day. Mm -hmm. That's usually what I do. No, sorry, not not to you, Bruce. Sewer
0: dog is is in here in chat. Mighty up the whole thing. Oh. Says it's recommended you brush your teeth after your coffee Uh-oh. because coffee is rather acidic and toothpaste neutralizes the acidity. Oh! What do we do? Okay, well, hold on. What?
2: I'm with Sewer Dog. Th- that's fine, then.
0: But I'm in- Yeah, that's fine. Well, but I'm- not, I'm in the zone and I'm cranking away oh, on things. No. I'm I'm being peak productive. The second I finish my coffee, I can't just drop all that shit and get up and brush my teeth.
3: How about this? What am I
0: supposed to do? I mean, how
3: about, if you don't want to be Lawrence, if you don't want to be lazy, then you what? then you you eat your food you shower you do you, just, you drink your coffee for three hours or whatever it is nobody drinks coffee for three hours by the way usually it may, let's say at most it's an hour let's say it, you don't know how much coffee I drink oh that's well you may have another cup I mean I guess that's true um, just to have an extra big cup that way it seems like it's one cup it's not um, I think one cup is four it's four <laughs> ounces um, but uh, then you gotta brush your teeth after that coffee you gotta you don't have a choice. Oh.
0: Are you gonna do it? Ah. Uh, well, here's the thing. Here's the problem. Let's let's say I'm I'm in a hard groove. All right. I got my I got my my fluke album churning away. I'm listening to some good EDM dub beats. Oh yeah. And and I'm just I'm just in the zone. So it's not even it's not even like the question occurs to me. By the time. By the time I take that last sip of coffee, I'm already in the fifth dimension. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm making art. I'm solving problems. I'm hacking the NSA. I'm moving satellites around. I'm, I'm architecting world peace while also driving it towards its demise. How can you possibly ask a man that's that locked in to remember, to brush his teeth?
3: Crack well, it. Uh, do you have an answer to this?
2: I, I gotta admit I I may have tuned out over the last fifteen minutes of <laughs> teeth brushing talk. Why? What were you looking at? I'm, just anything <laughs> else. Anything I'm Not else. a huge fan of uh, of dentist topics, um, so.
0: Do you, would you say you have a phobia for teeth?
2: No, I just don't find it very interesting. So you know. Fair enough. I, I represent well, all the viewers that are currently waiting for the next conversation to begin. So I'm <laughs> I'm taking that cross on my back while well, you guys have your your moment. All right, Kraken, How inspired. about this? Well, then
3: you know what. Kraken didn't want to talk about something that everybody should be doing and does every single day of their lives. You go ahead. You start another conversation Kraken. Go right ahead. Okay. It's gonna
0: be really good though, Bruce. It's gonna it's gonna be really good and he's gonna show us All up. Alright, go for Yeah, start for for
2: this. Let's do it. Uh, What's your favorite type of metal?
3: Damn it, he did it! What?!
2: <laughs> <laughs> he did it! Metal?
3: What are you talking about? Like copper? Metal. Like co- yeah. Shit. What's the best metal? That's the dumbest thing I've ever
2: heard. Maybe at a first glance, but let's let's dig in. You know what my favorite type of are we talking like Mast Alloys. Mastodon.
3: Mastodon's my favorite oh. type of metal. <laughs> it's a band,
2: Kryken. They play music. Oh, all right. Look at him. <laughs> With this clever answer. How clever is he? Very clever. How about you, Lawrence?
0: Ah, uh, well, I'm I'm not gonna try to outsmart the question master. I Thank will. You. I will I will honor your podcasting abilities with respect and answer the question sincerely, <laughs> and say that it is in fact copper. Copper is in fact mm. the best metal. It's a pretty great. I work that? a lot with electronics. It's hyper yeah. mm. um, So also I've worked some with plumbing, and it's it's very good at uh, c- conducting heat. It's basically the most utilitarian metal, which is also why it's really hard to come by. And I think I think uh, meth heads really like stealing it for scrap money. But, yeah, without copper, we couldn't hack. It's true. Mm-hmm.
2: True. Maybe, I think yours is the most utilitarian. I think if I had to pick, uh, with my almost lack of any knowledge of metal, I brought this up purely because I was looking around my desk to start a topic. Oh, my god! I saw this. So Master of the brass. podcast. Brass. I don't even know if this is brass, but I picked Brass is it an alloy, you bitch. Shit. Uh, bronze.
0: I think bronze might also is bronze is element. bronze an element?
3: Wait. I don't think bronze is an element. I don't know what I'm talking about. Is it? Um, how about just say gold? Yeah, just say
2: gold.
0: Brass is an ally. Gold. Ah, no I'm not a I'm not a little I think copper punk. Might be. Silver. Silver, there you
2: go. Bronze is an ally. Okay, I like silver. Go. Silver's I like the look of it. I like the smell of it. It reminds me of uh, second place, which is my favorite place.
3: Uh, well, I have got good news about the podcast guys. Uh yeah. has now been promoted to the the <gasps> leader. Of the podcast today because he did really? because he decided to ignore a topic
2: that we were talking uh-huh. about. So you go right ahead. I pick another one. You I do whatever you want. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to go along with you. Well, so Bruce, I yes, really I appreciate you finally recognizing my uh, absolutely my role in this. Uh-huh. Um, as the leader, I feel I've been hogging the spotlight a bit too much these last five minutes. I'm going to throw it back to you and hear what you want to talk about delegation there what you go am- Hey,
3: uh, amazing hey, move Hey, kraken you know what i did i tuned out while yeah. you were talking right there um so i don't know
2: uh, as the leader i your... find that offensive oh really and I, I, uh, that's a weird i thing. wish you would not
3: it seems we have switched roles my friend <laughs> <laughs> that's not passive aggressive chat that's aggressive
2: uh, I think it went from passive aggressive to aggressive. Absolutely it did. I don't.
3: I, that, yeah. That's what I always say when people are always like, uh, oh, you're passive aggressive uh, in chat, like if they're joking with
2: me or whatever. And I go, no, I'm aggressive. I am not passive aggressive. I tell you what I want. You're, I think your are passive aggressive is writing an angry letter and then taking the other half of the pen cap off and there's a knife and you pull the knife on well, it. You know?
3: <laughs> is, that, is that a real thing? Do they have like a pen and a knife? That sounds awesome. I hope so. That sounds cool. That sounds great. That sounds really cool.
0: Um, I mean, yeah. There's a pen knife is an actual thing. It is.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a whole. I've heard whole the moment. I've heard the word, but I don't I don't know that it exists. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, no, I remember hearing this in like Hardy Boys books. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's totally
3: a thing that's a knife and a pen. It's called a pen knife. It it's a, a real. Does it thing. have a knife on one side of the pen and then a pen
2: on the other side? Yes, it does. Cool. That sounds awesome.
0: They're illegal in California.
2: What? Well, they're How are the
0: Hardy Boys going to solve all their mysteries. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they, they sound like a... Again. I mean, they're a concealed weapon. A taser right? pen? Taser Whoa! Pen? How do, does that pack sick. a punch?
0: Uh, well, and probably enough of one. I don't yeah. know. I'd have to be... It's a like a one-hitter-quitter. Maybe there's a charge in there, and that's it.
3: Oh, that's cool. Uh, Carrotato Carata- says, Can you guys do an AMA with chat? And we sort of do, generally. We usually, we're usually taking a look mm-hmm. at chat, and if people like, ask questions, we try to answer specific questions here and there if we see ones that uh, are along the lines of what we're talking about or whatever else, but... Feel free to always chat and ask questions. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, guys. That's why we have you up there. Damn. Uh,
0: <laughs> um, speaking of, uh, Kraken, I, I'm going to need your permission for this, given that I am not the leader of the podcast, but I do have uh, I do have a little thing for Bruce to read. Is that all right, Kraken? Would you give the go-ahead to this segment?
2: Uh, I'm gonna deny the segment understood. Oh, understood. Okay. Uh, you know what I uh, yep. uh, As the sorry I, it didn't involve me, so I'm uh, right, I'm gonna write right as the leader, as the the
3: leader I uh, submit to his leadership
2: hmm. as well, the leader you submit to my leadership. No, I'm sorry It, it sounds like there's a rival leader now. No, no
3: what, I'm sorry What I meant to say is as you are the leader
2: I submit to your mm. leadership. I, that was just me misspeaking now I'm gonna flip it uh-huh. uh, <laughs> What if God. Lawrence you read your thing no, uh, this bit's going down. <laughs> right, just do your bit. <laughs>
3: just do your bit, I and mean, then Kraken. Just do your you bit. Just,
2: the leader's checking. Kraken, out, okay. yeah, Kraken
3: mutes his mic. Takes I relinquish his my title. I, I'm
2: just going to pawn off. I'm, I'm going to pawn off my uh, <laughs> my champion's belt. I've had enough.
0: Okay. Oh well, uh, we will, Bruce. I, I will. I will submit this literature to you shortly. Please do. Uh, in Kaner, too. Asked to talk about Last of Us too. That not a bad topic. Actually, I'm I'm fascinated about the Doom Eternal stuff that kind of went down. Oh yeah, that too um, was really interesting. Namely, the the like the nature of one sided conversation and how like, man, when you when you like hear stuff on the internet from one person, your first instinct should be, I only have half the story, yeah. uh, because the way that that developed was mm. crazy. And also, I think a really good lesson on how to uh, how to to maybe mm, withhold judgment until you have all the information. Anyway. Let me uh, let me send this this uh, this right over to Bruce here. Bruce, oh, do so you want to do the reading first?
2: Wait, is the uh, is the half of the story comment related to this thing he's reading or
0: No, sorry, yeah, I got it all out of order. This is why this is why I'm not the leader of the podcast. <laughs> no, the, the, I uh, there's just an image with some text on it that uh, I would I would dearly appreciate Bruce to read because Bruce is a fantastic all right, uh read it. orator. Uh, but apart from that, there is another story that we will soon discuss. Did you send, okay. did you send it over, if that's okay with you, Craig. Yeah, I did. It's in, it's in the Discord chat. Or is there a better way to send no, it? To no, no, that's perfect. Um, I'm just going to pull okay. it up here. I don't, I don't want to make sure that... Uh, I don't, don't want anyone to see behind I the curtain. I don't reveal it. Um, we run a tight ship here. Oh, I see what
3: you mean. Yeah, good call. Okay. Um, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? you know what I they're gonna they're gonna have to see it I apologize everybody they are gonna have to see it okay seems fine all right um, just do this a little bit there we go so I don't cover it too much of the chats I'm trying to get this uh, overlay fixed. It's perfect yeah there we go um, sorry about the covering your chat for a second chat okay there orator oh not orator you can say orator. Hmm.
0: Let's, let's get to the it's, bottom I of thought that. it was orator. It's definitely
3: not
2: orator either. It's orator. Oh. I had a very orator. big revelation on a stream a, a couple of weeks ago yeah, yeah. related to pronunciation. Just a quick segue.
0: So uh, I just looked up the uh, the phonetic and it is, it is orator. Orator. Sorry. What? Yeah.
2: I yeah. disagree with that. I and mean. I will never change my ways. Okay. So what is it? Take it up with. Orator. Oh, orator. Oh, gosh. It's not. It's not. It, that's it's I mean, it's more. I know, but but that's my. There's my pronunciation, and there's the right way. But as leader of the podcast, I'm saying we have to pronounce it orator. Okay, Uh,
3: done done done, orator. (laughs) uh, What was your revelation before I read this?
2: Oh, uh, it was another pronunciation thing. Um, Are you guys familiar with uh, Sonic Adventure Battle Two, the uh, the Sonic game with Pumpkin Hill as one of the songs? I I
3: think I watched you play it with Dave, but
2: yes. Uh, I think you shared this
3: revelation with us before on
2: the podcast.
0: I think so. Well, don't let me interrupt. Sorry, go ahead. I, it's if I already a great did this
2: story, then I'm going to feel so embarrassed, and I think I should relinquish the, t- the title as uh, <laughs> leader of the podcast. Oh my god, I have talked about you it. All right, that's it. I'm stepping down. That that was a un. Damn. It was about the song. Yeah, echidna. Being oh, echidona. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say echidona yeah, in the song. You did. You already told this story then that's it, you know, That's I'm handing in my badge No, here's here's the
3: thing though, I think we should all get cut cracking some slack because mm-hmm. in quarantine, I have basically lost what day and time it is, I don't know oh, 100% I don't know where we are or if it's the weekend or if it's Wednesday or who, I don't even, I could barely keep track so I think we should cut Kraken some slack in these crazy
2: fucking times that's what I think we should do thank you, thank you uh, I re-take my your orator, <laughs> title of leader your orator
3: podcast. title <laughs> <laughs> um, alright uh, you want me to read this thing? Please. I love it. Give, give it hell. And I'm ready. Uh, Lawrence, can you give us some context on what this is?
0: Uh, sure. I mean, uh, all the context I have is just what's apparent in the image, which is that it, this is a Snapchat message mm-hmm. sent from a gentleman to a woman that he is apparently experiencing some amorous feelings towards, but he wants Ooh. to be respectful. It is hard in these trying times. Uh, in the year 2020... I can be a, <laughs> a, a feminine like a, a horny feminist. It's tough. It's tough. Uh-huh. So, so, uh huh. So, this gentleman has found a way to balance these things, I would say, perfectly. Um, <laughs> much like a Harlem Globetrotter can spin many balls all at once, right. so too does this gentleman expertly balance his respect for women mm. and also his deep
3: desire to, uh, to see some titty. This is a Snapchat message from a male to a female. Uh,. Uh, one one who is, I would assume, trying to get laid. Uh Here we go. May I, a woman-respecting and feminist-supportive male, see at least one breast from you, my queen. I do not oh. want to come on as an improper male, and if this request disturbs you, please make me aware. You, my queen, deserve the utmost respect of any female. <laughs> Look at and Cringing, I love it however many of my genders seem to sexualize women and view them as sex toys Mm. however my queen I do not I do not share these views rather I value the female spectrum of the human race as the superior and I a respectful male request for the viewing of an isolated singular breast from your body I I, I await your response my queen what do you think it Put worked? Just one titty. Do you, think it, do you think it worked? I don't know if it worked or not. <laughs> just one scrap of titty. Yes, titty? just one morsel of titty. I want,
2: just a piece.
3: So the uh the woman looked like the woman had drafted the message what in the motherfuck, but didn't but hadn't actually uh she hadn't, sent sent, it. hadn't sent it. And I was really curious to see if she sent but one titty. But just but
2: one. I'm not an unreasonable man.
3: <laughs> just, <laughs> just the one. Just but one
2: titty. <laughs> doesn't you have even two. have to be
3: the best one do you,
2: do you think do you think that if
3: so here's the real here's the real question do you think that if she sent she was like hey I'm gonna send I, I, I like this guy's message I'm gonna send one boob she sends one boob and then he writes back thank you my queen and then that's the end of it or do you think he then pursues the other boob
2: yeah, there's no way he's satisfied with just the one once he's had some success there, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's like when you're feeding the pigeons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't feed one pigeon, they're like, thank you, we are done here today. Right. The, the rest of them come because they sense food to be, to be gained. That's right, you know? that's exactly right. And that's the, see, this is what I mean. Now, truly, if
3: he were, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna put myself in the role of the man that read this that wrote this message because I can sympathize uh sympathize <laughs> nice <laughs> nice um if i if i were him and i got one boob back i would then say thank you and be on my way i'd like literally tip of the hat and walk away because mm-hmm. if i truly respected her and it, and she sent me one boob she did it she held up her end of the bargain What's the bargain? Uh, there is no bargain. Is yeah, the there's, bargain there's, a, with, there's no there's bargain. There's definitely no bargain. Bag. There's no bargain at all. It's just begging. Um, she gets praised. Then, then well, no. I, I mean, at that point, no. I, I don't think she even gets praised. I think she, he writes back, uh, "Good day to you," and, that, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> he goes on his way. <laughs> I think he would write a very
0: bad ode. To the beauty oh. of the titty. Oh, that's a great yeah, idea. Singular
2: mound that he has received.
0: I, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like if he thinks flowery language is his key to seeing a titty, yeah. then flowery language should also be Actually, the reward for oh, producing a titty. Man,
2: the the galaxy brain thing is like by, <laughs> by rewarding this behavior, like the woman that's on the receiving end of this can like could screw this guy over so much more by giving in, because then he would be positively reinforced with this. Like this shitty attempt, and then think this works, and then go the rest of his life speaking this in this way. And I know that's a bad thing to reinforce, but like I think that's so much more like dangerous, damning of a of a life, of like of a punishment than to actually learn that you're fucked up.
3: You brought up a really interesting point because I remember I had a conversation with a guy years ago who was. Like hundred percent a Chad, like the douchiest Chad I'd ever met. And he was always like, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh man, it's so late, blah blah. And I knew he was this dude. And so I remember asking him, being like, What what makes you so bold? Why why do this? And he told me, he was like, I have gone up to so many women and been like, basically, nice shoes wanna fuck. And it doesn't work. Let's say fifty times it doesn't work. But the fifty-first time it works. The, the woman on the other end goes, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's have sex. And so then he gets laid and is in rein- and then reinforced and then continues that behavior. So it's like, and, and this is something that I say all the time about uh, w- whether or not you, you agree with his politics, Donald Trump. I say about Donald Trump all the time. It's like people are always like, man, well, he's such a dick and he's such an asshole. I was like, man, he's been accused of, you know, sexually assaulting women, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm always like, he would never, he's never going to change because it's always worked he's been constantly reinforced and so it's so it's weird because you can't tell that i can't tell my chad douche friend don't do that don't be an idiot you know like be cool about it be nice be respectful because it works for him what do i it's like what do you say what do you say to that i i don't know i'm not sure i, I don't have an i don't have an answer for it
0: i mean it's yeah. an empathy problem if uh, mm-hmm. if he can't put himself in the in the shoes of all the women, he's making deeply uncomfortable by approaching them that way, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't view that as any kind of trade off, as that he's basically cashing out on other people's like public calm by just asking for what he wants boldly all the time, if he doesn't feel that and if he doesn't value that, then there's really nowhere to go. Kind of same with Trump. If he just if he's a sociopath, either by design or by breeding or whatever. If he just can't feel the empathy of the people he's fucking over, because all he cares about is what he wants, there's kind of a deeper problem. I don't know that conversation can fix that. It's almost like yeah. you have to have some kind of life event open up mm-hmm. somebody's perception correct, yeah. to how they make other people feel, um, and how you can't force that kind of thing, man. I don't, I don't know what that is.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I- yeah, yeah. I wish there was like a, a an easy answer. I mean, maybe that the guy that made that post will see it on Reddit and then be like, oh man, that did come across bad. <laughs> yeah. And then have a real soul searching moment. I would hope, you know, people are capable of change. So hopefully they, at least I believe so. So hopefully they, you know. I believe I believe so too. Learn that. I, I believe so yeah. too. I,
3: I believe that like, and it's, It's I. Like, you know, like I, I tend to think that guy, if he sees his post on Reddit, Goes, ha 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 ha! Man, what a great joke! Like, it's totally a joke that I wrote, and I'm so glad it got picked up as a joke, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I doubt he'll ever change his behavior because of it. Like, I don't know that. Like, like Lauren said, I don't know if he puts himself in the shoes of the woman and goes and goes like, "What the fuck am I supposed to say to this?" Like, this is kind of weird and and like and, and in in truth, not not like super disgusting, but it's still fucking cringy and stupid. Um, but he's reinforced because people are laughing at it and people think it's funny. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know where that, where that line lies where like he's going around to his friends being like, dude, I was the guy that wrote the bucket message on Reddit. It got picked up. Like, it's so funny. And like, I, I got to keep doing it. Like, you know, is he using that or is he instead going, all right, well, I'll never do that again. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I'm trying I wonder, to think I'm, I'm wondering actually in your you know, example of the, the like, like the pickup artist guy compared to this guy. I wonder if this guy would do that same post to like 50 women and if one of them do send the singular titty, right. does that justify the 50 other messages, you know? Is it like, I got, I got some success, so surely it's not me that's doing something wrong, it's all the ones that said no, right. because right. someone said yes, you know?
3: Well that's the, I don't know. That's that's what I worry about because I've I've seen I've talked to both sides too. I've talked to people that are not not that way, and like they're like, yeah, I used to be a total douche, and like Lawrence said, it sort of had a, an empathy awakening, and, and went, oh shit, okay, yeah, I got to change my behavior. Or I've talked to the people that have just been that way their entire life. And that's just the way it goes over and over and over. Um, Bill Pax wrote in your chat. Lawrence wrote, uh, maybe we're taking this out of context. He was trying to make her laugh. That's actually when I read it. That's I was probably thinking that's probably what it was. He was probably like joking around with this woman who maybe he'd already talked to i was hoping <laughs> the, the, hmm. the positive side of me was hoping it was just a joke and they were mm-hmm. both in on the joke but i don't I, know i'm not sure yeah or she
0: joked about it before so he wrote it to her jokingly and she didn't wasn't in on the joke like that happens a lot too um hey i do know that uh i do know that a lot of ladies um it, is, it was fascinating to kind of hear ladies' experiences on dating websites before it was, you know, just like Tinder or whatever. Because they would just get copy and paste messages from tons of dudes. They're guys who'd, like, just cast the net with the same generic same generic message. Uh, because, it, you know, they're not after conversation or anything like that. They just want to fuck. Um, and and I, I think the core of it, too, is, like, empathy gets tough in those circumstances because trying to flip it on somebody is tough because it's, like... If it, let let's presume that the guy was authentic just for the sake of argument, um, like if somebody wrote to him and it was a lady and she was like, "Hey, let me see that dick," he'd be like, "Yeah, awesome." <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's actually really tough to to kind of
2: when, I, when, I disagree. Uh, I don't know. You don't if, think? Yeah, no. If like some random lady messages me on Snapchat and is like, "Let me see that dick," I I don't think I would say that. <laughs> like you're what too dignified, is, Kraken. Okay, would you? I mean, well, you're also. I don't know. How about,
3: Kraken, uh, put it this way: you're you're a you're an internet celebrity, Kraken. You're famous, so. Well, aren't all <laughs> e girls? Isn't that the whole idea? Is like. Well, I know. I'm uh, sorry. I was going to say, just put yourself in the situation of like, let's say you're just 17 year old Kraken, who, like nobody nobody knows makes YouTube videos or whatever, and you and you get a message from an attractive woman
2: that says. Hey, Lisa, d- I would wonder how the hell did you find it. That's me?
3: exactly what I would say if I got the message too. Yeah,
2: I'm not going to give you a picture of my, of my, my, my no no place when yeah. so I don't even know who you are. <laughs> you just found me, random 17 year old Kraken account, and you're like, ugh, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Eight, like, 18, <laughs> 18. Oh, okay, 18. yes, thank you for 18. Yeah, 18.
3: Um, no, it's just more about putting yourself in, in that scenario because like Lawrence brings up a good point. I, I don't know if there's ever been a time like if if I got a random stray message if I was single and got a random stray message from a woman that was like yo, let me see that dick I don't know that I would I wouldn't be like hell yeah bro and then just start like send her thirty dick pics I'd probably be like who is this like why do you want I I would probably ask start asking questions like why do you want a picture of my penis like are like are we gonna go out on a date or something or like what what's
2: what's gonna what's gonna happen Yeah you want assurance of um, I, of commitment before you send well, it there. Well,
3: not even commitment, more of just like, uh, of the fact that, like, she's a real person, <laughs> you know? Like, it could be some dude, it could be a really young, uh, person that, I, that is, it would be totally terrible and then I could go to jail for him. Um, it could be anything. It's the internet, you know? Um, so it's like, you gotta, that's that is, that's why, it, all of this, if you flip it on its head, back to the normal, uh, sending dick pics to, to women or or guys asking for like nudity and shit like that just out of the blue. That's crazy. Like it's just crazy. Why would you ever do that? Like there's 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 no there's no reason to ever do that. It could be I, I don't know.
2: I think I I think a lot of it actually is because they're used to seeing it all the time on the internet from either porn oh, or maybe yeah. You know, <clears throat> accounts of People that you know share body image stuff and is very open about nudity and whatever. Like, they see that it can be easily gotten, and therefore can't reconcile why right. the one they they want, the you know, one the person they have a crush on, or the person they want to see naked, they like. Why would they not also be as maybe they are just as easy? They would easily share. You can't hurt, but ask. Like, I, I think that's that's kind of how it is. It is a removing of empathy. It's kind of like seeing sex and nudity as like a service instead of a you know a person thing
3: i saw cloudless in the chat and my chat say um boiled down comment is really intelligent comment but boiled down to nothing to lose everything to gain so like hmm. they don't yeah. they don't lose anything by sending 50 messages to somebody and then they go oh you're disgusting you're perfect gross 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 whatever and then all of a sudden the 51st person comes back and goes yo here's the tip they don't. They didn't lose anything by sending those messages other than maybe
2: down, like time, self-respect. I mean, yeah. I don't think they had that to begin <laughs> with. Didn't. Like that's part of the yeah. uh, the minimum requirement of these messages is you have to like yep. that part needs to be released and then you're capable of spamming the fifty one queen tit messages.
0: I think there's an emotional angle to this too, um, and I'm gonna <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, having been a lonely dude. And and feeling this shades of this is that let's let's presume it is an audience member and maybe some kind of e-girl or maybe just random girl. Who knows? Sometimes you just want some acknowledgement that somebody's willing to engage with you on that level, even if it's superficial and even if it's just for a second. And even if like it sometimes it's just the fantasy of it, of thinking that there is somebody out there who's willing to let you see a titty um, because you can feel like a monster who's not worthy of, of tit. Um, so if you're that desperate, yeah, yeah, Yeah. you're just, you're throwing a fishing line out to whoever, just, just please, um, even if they send you, yeah, even if they send you another titty, then at least you have the fantasy that you were able to engage with somebody and they trusted Mm. you enough to show you a tit. Um, so I think that can be a part of it too. And, and even if you go to the e-girl part of it, then it's almost like you have a a secret hidden connection to somebody famous that kind of helps your ego a little bit of like, I may be a nobody who is uh, sleeping on the floor uh, and I'm constantly, uh, constantly wet, just damp all the time. <laughs> but uh, I did get a titty pick from my favorite e girl. She trusted me enough with that tit pick, and I will, I will repay that trust by savoring this titty and not <laughs> doing anything unsavory with it. Um, I could see that being a, uh, just, a little, just a little dash of seasoning. In
3: the in the weird dude melange that makes us do these weird things. No, Lawrence, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a really good point. Uh, Buffalo Prime in my chats that sometimes the illusion of intimacy, even for a second, is enough to try, and yeah. and that's a that's a really good way to put it, uh, because yeah, if, if you're like feeling super desperate and you you know you're attracted to women, but you just don't feel like a man, you don't feel like you're attracted to anybody, and then all of a sudden, like you, just the idea that somebody may find you attractive enough to do that. It's huge. That's a huge fucking deal. It totally is. You're right. That's a that is a big deal.
0: Uh, if you're that low, I would hope you talk to anyone about the feelings you have and not make others succumb to yours. Well, uh, Matty Patty or Matt Patty, excuse me. That's an excellent point, and that's certainly the most constructive way to go about it. But when you're and and this is me speaking personally now, not that I've ever written a sonnet begging for a titty, <laughs> but when you are. When you're young and you're like 18, 19, 20 and you're just trying to figure out companionship and wondering why you're alone and everyone else seems to be happy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one, you obviously you usually don't have the emotional intelligence to know that that's the, you know, proper way to handle it. And then two, rarely do you have friendships at that age where you can have those kinds of discussions yeah. and also get constructive advice. So, um, and again, speaking personally, when I, was, when I was that level of, of sad and lonely and, and certainly projecting a lot of my loneliness out into the world in, in not so constructive ways, I didn't, did not have the tools or the emotional intelligence to know, one, that that was bad, and that, two, that there were constructive ways to handle it. It is, it is and, and a lot of, boy, we're getting way in, into a, a dumb, a dumb uh, text conversation, but that's kind of the, I don't, I don't want to l- relate it back to such an, an SJW term as toxic masculinity, But that is part of it is like no one discusses how dudes deal with loss or loneliness or certainly how they uh, how they can project and 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 find very strange ways to satisfy those needs because they're really not allowed to talk about them because that makes you pathetic. If you say, hey, I'm lonely, I just need a girl to like acknowledge me. Um, And and that is also a very ego driven thing, by -hmm. the way, Um, when you just need a girl and, uh, you know, terminology specific it doesn't matter who it is just somebody has to acknowledge that you're not an inhuman monster and capable of love right. um that can that can be rough and it can be weird yeah no, I, I agree
3: i agree
0: uh speaking of what's also rough and weird uh Kriken, do you want to talk about video games
2: me oh my god what a <laughs> insulting segue um <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Well, let's let's see. Oh, I was I meant the video games, not you, Craig. Yeah. I'm sorry. Whatever,
0: dude. Sure, you did. Um, Damn, that did not read like I intended. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna. I was. I was referring to the like the botched communication about the Doom Eternal OST.
2: Uh, oh yeah, I I read that too. Um, I read the whole post. I actually. I wanted. Yeah, me too. I wanted to talk about that because I I knew it would be misinterpreted immediately once the post was out about it, and then to see that happen was still sad. So, yeah, let's talk about that briefly. Oh, Lawrence, I I, yeah, so, uh, I feel like
3: you've probably got the best knowledge on this subject just because you know Doom and it more than me. I don't know yeah. about Kraken, but more than me for sure.
0: Uh I'm uh so so I I'll try to I'll try to boil it down. Cause I was kinda I was kinda seeing the discussion happen. Um so uh the Doom Eternal OST um was part of the collector's edition. Um it shipped out, people immediately noticed something was off. They like pulled it in, looked at the waveforms. Some of the tracks were, like, mastered appropriately, had good dynamic range. Other ones looked like they were just, like, gained, blown out, and just hard limited. Um, So everyone was already like, hey, what's up? And then Mick Gordon started tweeting about his perspective on the process, basically saying, like, uh, he didn't get to master the whole soundtrack. He wasn't happy with how a lot of it turned out. um, And started saying some pretty... like, not overtly negative, but definitely leaving room for negative assumptions to fall mm-hmm. in about how the relationship with id Software had gone down. And uh, this this thing had just kind of built and built. And because a lot of the times we were only getting one side of the story, it just seemed like id Software had, for reasons unknown, decided not to, to work with Mick on the soundtrack. And uh, as a result, everyone just assumed that they had kicked Mick out of the process... And hired some other cheap dude to just master the soundtrack and had done a horrible job uh, because the sound quality wasn't very good and all that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, everyone was getting really negative, really sour towards its software. They were, like, attacking some of the developers there. And then Marty Stratton at its software did this incredibly long and and very, like, diplomatically worded post uh, that kind of laid out the situation from its software's perspective, which is that they were working with Mick on the soundtrack uh, and... McGordon Gordon was falling behind and missing milestones, and they kept renegotiating when the delivery would happen. One of the interesting bits that I noticed was that um, id Software, or Marty, said that they couldn't bump it too much because then in certain countries they would fall afoul of, like, bait-and-switch mm-hmm. laws. Uh, so if they, they advertised the soundtrack would be part of the collector's edition, and if they didn't deliver it by the date they said, then people could ask for full refunds on the whole thing. That's right. So... Its software was in a tight spot. Um, they had promised this soundtrack, but the person that was supposed to deliver it wasn't delivering it on time. So they had worked out this backup plan where somebody that had software would work on the soundtrack, their, their audio designer. I, I'm, I blank on the name, unfortunately. Chad. Chad um, I think it was
2: Chad. Yeah, it was Chad. Yes. Was Chad. The,
0: the first name was Chad. Uh, that Yeah, I remember that now. So um, the interesting part about it, too, was that uh, Chad only had the in-game audio stems to work with. Which were all like over, like overblown because that's the kind of audio you need in yeah. the game. But in the OST, like the music is a different. It's just different to produce a soundtrack versus in-game audio, and the audio levels are different and all that stuff. So uh, it turns out that like not only was Mick Gordon missing a lot of deadlines, and they were obligated to put a product out, but also they didn't have the full like studio recordings to work with in the first place. So now that you know the full story, it's, it's easier to see that, you know, by its Software's uh, admission, they tried their best uh, to do the right thing. And because Mick Gordon is an independent and not part of a studio, he was allowed to say his part of it. And then the people on its software side had to be diplomatically quiet because they can't just air all the dirty laundry or kind of throw Mick Gordon under the bus uh, by, by saying that he had his part in kind of making this deal go sour. But there was enough negativity thrown towards its software because everyone only
3: heard half the story and made a lot yeah. of assumptions. Well, Mick,
0: Mick, one of the ones Mick that Gordon, really
3: bugged me is that... Mick Gordon's deified. Go Sorry, so Mick Gordon's deified on the internet. Like, yeah. 100%. Sorry, go ahead, Lawrence.
0: Yeah, because he's done
3: amazing
2: work.
0: Yeah. And and he's he's very, very good at making soundtracks, obviously. And this, this issue hadn't happened with Mick Gordon before. So no one had a reason to think that that might have been the problem. Um, but the thing that really bugged me is that everyone was sort of being very dismissive of the rest of the soundtrack, the ones that are like overblown Mm -hmm. and saying that like, they were like, I saw a lot of comments saying like, oh, it's somebody who doesn't know how to master audio. They just gave it to some novice who just hard limited the whole thing. Whereas the real story is well, those are the only resources they had to work with. And that kind of, that hits me a little bit because I can't tell you the amount of times that, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with this notion, how many times your experience and your expertise is directly called into a question or outright attacked. When you're doing the absolute best job you can with what you have, yeah. but you can't really lay out all that out for for people, so it feels like it feels like it's an interesting story about how when you only have half the story, you really shouldn't jump to conclusions and start attacking people. <laughs> uh, that said, there's also a lot of a lot of I don't know. I tend to be a little too permissive sometimes about feeling like I only have half the story, but that does seem to be the. The case now is that id Software, or specifically Marty Stratton, because he'd seen a lot of negativity slung around, was kind of forced into saying, yeah. listen, listen, this is the deal, and kind of putting all the dirty laundry out there.
2: My, so, my main gripe with it is, like, it seems like Mick kind of allowed this to happen, or even subtly encouraged it, because, you know, he felt that they wouldn't be able to say anything, or he wasn't very forthcoming with I agree. his... Yeah the mistakes he had made and let it seem like it was all it or even Bethesda's fault, I think. And I think people love Blaming Bethesda. So they, yeah. you know, the the majority of the responses I saw were like, I can't believe Bethesda fired Mick. And it's like, <laughs> that is so far from what happened yeah. that you clearly did not even skim the article. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, that that was the sad part for me. And I to, to see someone like Chad, Chad did nothing wrong in this scenario. This guy, you know, did the best they could he's with what they had. Busted his ass, yeah. Yeah, and, and instead of being, instead of seeing gratitude, he's blamed for everything when ev- they know that no one knows the full story. Like, that—that's that's the worst part of it, is I think feeling like they had to keep a secret to make Mick look good, because you can't make lo- Mick look bad, but then Mick doesn't, isn't forthcoming about what he did wrong, so therefore you have to come out and say something, but then doing so makes you the, you know, like, there's a the bad guy. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's yeah. it's such a shitty situation. So
3: well, Lawrence and I, on a much, much smaller scale, I think Lawrence and I were on probably the company end of this, the id end of this, when it came to leaving Machinima. Um, hmm. I don't know if you remember the last episode we recorded of Inside Gaming, Lawrence, uh, yeah, no, I on the way out of the door. So we had given our notice to Machinima to move to Rooster Teeth, and we recorded uh, the last episode of Inside Gaming, which was news... I can't remember exactly what the news story was, but it had to do with Machinima. Do you remember what it was, Lawrence? It was related to FTC
0: disclosures of some kind. That's right. Um, um, that's right. Naturally, topically, the Xbox One thing is the largest FTC story out there. So, yeah, in service of reporting on that, we mentioned that story, which uh, yeah didn't go
3: over too well. It, it, we were talking about FTC disclosures, meaning... When somebody does a sponsored stream, they have to say hashtag sponsored or uh, it's a hashtag mm-hmm. ad, whatever. And if somebody doesn't do that, then they, get, they can get fined. They can make, I think there may be even jail time, stuff like that. Um, and the first major story, the thing that started that all, all of hashtag sponsored and hashtag ad was the Machinima story from years ago. It was a 2013 or 2014, I want to say, um, was Machinima had been telling their influencers to say really good things about the Xbox, but never say that it was a a paid ad campaign, which is illegal. That's illegal to do. Yeah. Um, And so Machinima got blamed. We actually reported on it. At at Inside Gaming, we were like, yeah, Machinima fucked up, because they totally did. But we worked at the company at the time. So anyways, that happened in 2014. Mm -hmm. And on the way out the door, our last news story at the beginning of 2015, Lawrence wrote that into the script, talking about that major story of the Xbox One FTC disclosure. Um... We sort of wrote that in as a footnote to the uh, larger news story. Uh, and literally, no joke, my last hour at Machinima, I was arguing with people to keep that in to the story because I was leaving. I couldn't supervise the final edit of that that news episode. And people were taking our news episode and cutting it out from Machinima. They were cutting out the mention of Machinima in that news story. and. I couldn't ever bring it up. I When I left, I was like, this is this is fucking insane. Like, I can't believe that that at this point the news is getting censored by the company that's reporting it. And w- yeah. we can't do anything about it. Um, and so we weren't... This is the first time I think Lawrence and I, we've talked about this on any content. I don't think we've ever... Do we ever talk about this anywhere else? Uh,
0: we've made, we made allusions to how bad the last day was at Machinima, but... I don't think we've ever specifically said what happened.
3: Yeah, and that's what happened. It was uh people were were trying to save Machinima's face as we were leaving by by censoring and editing the story. Yeah. Um,
0: and the was, irony is that like no one no one really paid attention to what we did most days. No
3: one really cared. Yeah, they really didn't, you're right.
0: But it was because it was our last day that there were any eyes on what we were doing mm-hmm. and it just so happened. And also I kind of knew it was going to be an issue so I didn't I didn't focus on it too long in the story or even really focus on the machinima aspect of it but they wanted no mention of that entire deal at all um and yeah i remember being in a room with somebody who like (laughs) who i they were they they kept saying that they didn't see the need for it to be in there which is disingenuine because it's like directly related sure and and it was it was like the event that led to the story happening so it's like of course it's 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 vital and i remember you know at that point i (laughs) I remember I was already pretty drunk at that point because it was the last day and I wanted to get out of there. Um, So I was probably not at my most diplomatic, but I was bringing up the like, that's just good journalistic reporting. And then I remember the dude like saying, my dad was a journalist, don't tell me about journalism. And I just kind of like, I just had no idea how to process that. That somebody whose dad was a journalist was trying to trump me, who had not only written the script that day, but had been a journalistic writer for the last 10 years. And also was part of the only team that was, like, making successful content at the entire company. And that's just when I, I just kind of, like, left the room. I don't, I don't even remember. I think I was just so astounded that I just walked away mm. and then went back to my desk and continued drinking because I didn't give a shit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, man. There, I mean, even apart from that, though, there were a number of times where we were in that exact position at Machinima where, like, the company would do something horrible. Just the worst idea ever. None of the people who made the decisions would put out any messaging about it at all, and since we were the kind of the face of the company at that point, um, this is this is like post respawn and all that, which is why I feel comfortable saying that at that point. Um, you know, we were kind of expected to say something about it, so we're in this tough spot of like, if if we don't say anything about it, then we're then like through Shills. omission and and exactly, yeah. uh, if we don't acknowledge it, then yeah, we're we're kind of implicitly towing the company line by pretending it's not there. But if we do say something about it, then we run the risk of you know management hearing about it and then architecting the nature of what we say, which is even worse. So and and we also can't go out and say like to the audience, kind of like id software couldn't at the time. Hey, we don't want to work for them either. <laughs> <laughs> they keep they keep fucking it up. You you think we want to be here? Um, so yeah, that, those are very tricky positions to be in, and and I really do feel for. It's software in that perspective because, like, as much as I really respect Mick Gordon's work, I, Kraken, like you were saying, it it is a bummer that he would, one, only put his side of the story out there, and then, two, allow negativity to grow when he very clearly could clarify and say, well, hold on a minute, like, we had this agreement, I had this agreement with it, software. The problem is, I think, when you start to clarify and try to remove negativity... Then other questions start to pop up. Like, well, wait, if you had an agreement, then why didn't the soundtrack land on time and all this stuff? So I think there are some things you just don't say because it starts to direct the story in a way you don't want it to. Which is why you probably shouldn't say that stuff out loud in the first place. It just kind of goes to a very unprofessional place. Yeah, the, the, um, the, machine,
3: the reason I brought up Machinima is just a long way to talk about being on the company side. Of it. Being on the on the side mm-hmm. of it where, like... And like I was super appreciative of Marty Stratton coming on and writing that incredibly long post about and and honestly, he probably had to go back and look at all of his emails and yeah and,
2: and like if you miss I did like quoted anything right, or miss right. you know, represented any information It could be it would have been you know, like yeah.
3: a bunch of holes punched in his story and that's it. So like he I'm sure he had to go and do his research, but it took hours and hours of work to, to write that post. So when he wrote it, I was like, this guy has absolutely done his homework. This was not from memory. This was like he went back, made sure everything
2: was... Yeah, this wasn't like an offhanded, passive-aggressive comment on a forum. Right. This is like, no, I am addressing the problem here. I think it was a wonderful post. I wish more companies could do that. It's a shame they yep. feel like they have to. Yep. It's, I mean, it, the chat was kind of alluding to this earlier, but like, Internet's call out and cancel culture, I've been like against it since its inception. But the whole idea that... You know, we we talked about this being in the podcast too. Is like there are two sides to every story, at least, and it's so easy on, online to just paint one and then let everyone just reach a conclusion. Especially if it's like a snappy story or headline mm-hmm. that gives you an immediate emotional reaction, and then people just run with that. Um, and it just yeah, it's it's a huge shame. So I I'm glad that this one's been rectified. I hope. Some people will read it that are right now angry and it'll give them some pause and how they react to stuff in the future. But I, I don't know. I don't know how we can change that. I don't know what the solution is to stop Internet cancel culture. I mean,
3: I think Lawrence alluded to it earlier, but I mean, but it's the same when it comes to everything. It's just do your research. Uh, I, even even if even if the research isn't out there, like with the whole uh, Mick Gordon sort of saying a few negative things and then like. I don't know if he was trying to control the narrative, but he was just letting, letting the narrative run wild. Um, then Lawrence said, it's like, well, then start possibly thinking about maybe there's another side to this. And the thing that I always notice about almost every... sit—no, And this, is not, this isn't a joke. This is like something that I've noticed about every single situation. It is so very rarely uh, that one side I have heard is all truth and then another side is yeah. completely inaccurate. It's the truth almost always lies directly in the middle. There's usually like mm-hmm. some really some, some truth from one side, some truth from another side. And generally like the bi- you, you can sort of read the biases on either side, but, but the truth actually lands in the, in the center. Um, and that's what I've noticed uh, in you know, mediating situations and seeing these sorts of things come out online. And, and like, like, Craig and you were saying, cancel culture is the worst because there isn't, we don't get to see the other side. Immediately somebody's canceled and that's it. They're done. Like, and I'm not saying we shouldn't cancel, you know, bad people or anything like that. It's more of just like, uh, I don't, you know, who knows where the truth actually lies in this, in in those, in those cases. Um, And when it comes to this this specific scenario, it just sounds like there was a lot of corporate bullshit that a lot of people had to put up with. And um, it was, it was getting out of hand. And I bet, I bet Marty Stratton was Upset. I bet he was like, "I am tired of seeing these news stories about how we fucked the soundtrack up." When mm-hmm. uh, I know the actual story, so I, I'm sure he got on and was like, "All right, I gotta, I gotta put this out here because he's he was tired of seeing those news stories."
0: He's sticking up for his team too. Yeah, yeah. Who, who was in like kind of, um, kind of just collateral damage, which is frustrating. Um, but it, it's funny, Bruce, to hear you talk about the nature of truth because. You're, you're basically describing the the core foundation of journalism, which is that when you're reporting on a story, you have to get as many perspectives as possible from as many different people as possible. And when all of those gel together, only the aspects that overlap are the truth. Everything else is somebody's perspective, which is still valuable, but, but requires being reported as that. Um, and there's another aspect to it too, which is bias. Um, and, and again, properly trained journalists kind of at least get some foundational information about how bias works and how you as a reporter need to mitigate uh, and actively attack your own bias. Um, So cancel culture is a problem because I think in this specific instance, there's a load of people who Bethesda bad, like that's where they start. And if a story comes out that verifies that Bethesda is bad, then it must be true because it goes along with the belief you already have. Um, And I think even more fundamental than that is just corporations bad mick gordon good because he's an individual he's got a cool accent and he makes amazing music so he's done good things for me bethesda put out fall at 76 so they are bad Mm -hmm. so now we have a story that agrees with both of those things which is that mick gordon worked very hard and tried to make an excellent soundtrack bethesda bad got in the way somehow and fucked him over uh so you you get this information and you're like ah i knew it bethesda is bad so you're (laughs) just inclined to believe it yeah um, whereas, again, one of the foundations of not only journalism, but the scientific method is whenever you get information to not to not believe it because it agrees with what you think, but to attack it immediately with yeah. anything. So and this is a process that I do. And, and to be frank, it can drive you insane. So there's limits to it. But uh, anytime you hear a piece of information um, and, and this is like journalism training that has actually kind of helped me both with empathy and a lot of other things is to think like, OK. What are all the ways that this story could have happened that also change its its texture or change its interpretation? So whenever uh, whenever this story was developing, one of my possible theories was that I thought McGordon was maybe asking for way too much money.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that id Software had to go with a different producer because they just didn't have the cash or didn't want to pay whatever. Because he w- he's, he's got a name now, right? He's got a yep. following. And- I've heard that some voice actors get there too is when they think they're so associated with one character they start asking for astronomical rates mm-hmm. and then Keith Sutherland voices a solid snake. <laughs> that's an assumption. I don't know that that's what happened but maybe that's what happened. So uh, I was like hold on now we're again we're only hearing mixed side of things. There are ways in which this story could have happened that its Software is not a villain but most people don't go there right away because it's just not in human nature to try to imagine all the context around what could have been. Yeah. But that's usually what reporters have to do is they get one they get a lead and then they investigate the lead and part of investigating the leads is not only following the the like hard leads that you have about people that were connected but also imagining what else could have happened and asking those questions too and following those things um so yeah it's it's just it's frustrating because skepticism is usually leveraged as a tool against verified information of like vaccines prevent The flu. Oh, well, maybe you should be skeptical of that and use essential oils instead. (laughs) I don't mean like that. But I do mean when you know you're only getting one person's version of a story, and that includes, like, YouTubers that like to scream about politics, be skeptical of their motivations and the way that they're framing the story because they stand to benefit from it. Uh, Whereas, theoretically, a salaried journalist who's trying to report an actual story does not benefit from sensationalizing their story, even though there is pressure to do that. From companies, so that's that's the end of my rant about about data and information on this internet of ours. Yeah.
3: That's, I mean, it's good. It's uh, it's just something that I think, I think the side effects of cancel culture now. I I feel like people are honestly getting a little smarter about it, and maybe maybe asking more questions and trying to do more research versus just shutting somebody down. Because it's happening so fast and so often now, um, which is which is good that the pendulum should swing the other way, hopefully uh, and get us to a spot where we're hunting more for the truth and less for um, you know a negative story uh, I hope I'm I, I wonder I hope I, I really do I mean like uh, I know we always found out when we were doing news. That the negative headlines always, always outweigh the positives in terms of, in terms of views. More people would always come to the negative. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always the case, and it probably always will be the case. Uh, but I guess the question is, is, can you justify that negative headline? Can you actually, you know, supply that headline with facts? <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how we had to do it on YouTube, because that was the name of the game. Uh, the, believe it or not... The, as much as people like to blame the media or the YouTube algorithm or anything, it's people. People make decisions about what content to watch and what content to support. And that's what makes the whole system turn. So as much as people, again, want to blame the media, it's, it's human nature being reflected through capitalism or through the democracy of content on YouTube. But when Logan Paul rises to the top, it's not because YouTube wanted it to happen. It's because people were watching it. A lot of people were watching it. So that's when it becomes tricky of like, is this a problem that's even solvable if this is just people voting with their eyeballs about what they want to see? Uh, the trick that I always tried to pull is that, you know, Bruce and I, we would, we would get together and decide on a headline and yeah, it would have to be incendiary, negative leaning. And I would always try to write the story so that it started that way and supported the headline so that it wasn't outright clickbait. But then kind of, you know, a spoonful of sugar drag people through other narratives and other trains of thought and most of our reporting. So it may start with, you know, Bethesda bad, and we cover that for three minutes. And then it's like, well, what about this though? Maybe this, have you considered this? Trying, I always tried to bend things more constructive in, in the stories that we were report on. Does that yeah. mean a lot to me?
2: I but mean, is, you do have to kind of The struggle though it. is, and I'm sure as a reporter, you know that like the majority of your audience will fall off before the final like 30% of your article. Yep. And the majority might just look at the headline, look at the picture. Maybe read the first sentence, maybe, and then be like, okay, I I now have a little tidbit. My opinions have been informed <laughs> Val- today. I am more cultured. Or validated um, even. Yeah, exactly. And so I it's interesting to hear that perspective. And you got, I mean it's true, you guys have worked so long now where that matters, like how many eyeballs you can get and click throughs on articles. So you understand more of the the clickbaity or the you know the dog pile kind of idea. I, I I don't know if there is like a middle ground. I mean I think what you're describing is the best case scenario where like those that are actually informed enough to read the full article will get the full story, but there that still leaves a large percentage of the viewership that will not read that far, you know? And how how do you address that?
3: Yeah, the, uh, my answer is still sort of... It's the same where it comes to uh, consumerism, which is buyer beware. Uh, mm-hmm. If somebody's telling you a product does something, go out and do your research. Um, don't listen to the marketing material of it. Don't don't go like, oh, well, they say it's going to do it, so it'll do it. I mean, that's not necessarily always true. So go go look online. I mean, i got the internet, so you can go and see thousands of reviews about any other product. And it's the same with this. It's like if you're reading a story or you hear a story... That generally like something will trigger in my head and I'll go this doesn't sound this this sounds like almost too good to be true or almost too bad to be true i'll I'll Google it and I'll go and look at other sides of the story to see if there are other sides to see if somebody's written more about it because mm-hmm. often I will find a better article that is less incendiary, a little more uh measured and has um, facts on either side of it that will give me a more unbiased approach than the one that I read that was like. Bethesda is the worst company in the world. They're killing their employees, and I'll be like, "What?" And I, and I go and look this up, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh! They're not killing their employees. Five people said they're overworked." I'm like, mm-hmm. "That okay, all right." And then, by the way, these are just examples. I'm not I'm making it up. Yeah, it's not real. Um, so that's that's usually what I'll do. Is just I, I I try to look into it a little more so that I'm a little more educated about this about the uh, the system. Although now the more that we the more that we talk about this stuff. The, and the more that I read, the less educated I feel because I read so much of it that I start feeling like there's a, these stories there's so much to the story that I'm like, well, now I feel like I know nothing about it. Um, and it's and that's that's what I when I read that Marty Stratton article, I was thinking to myself, this is great. I think he does a really good job of laying it all out and it seems very factual, but I don't have any proof. So mm. I have to trust Marty Stratton. And like I said before. To me, with Marty Stratton and, and Mick Gordon, I was like, well, truth lies somewhere in the middle. I'm sure somebody did something here and somebody did something here, and I'm sure not everything is completely and perfectly accurate for Marty, and it's not the same with with Mick. I just, you know, so I, I try to chalk it up to that and be like, maybe we're right down the middle, and I'll never actually know for sure. So.
0: Yeah, that's... um. <sighs> Then, then it's tough to balance, right? Because I, I, feel like, it's it's nice to know how much you don't know, because then there is a freedom in giving yourself the permission to opt out of caring, <laughs> oh, or or acknowledging that you're not informed enough to be passionate about it. So, like, uh, kind of like you would reference Bruce like Doom Eternal is something that I care, or Doom in general is something I care a lot about. I love its software. Um, you know, one of the only developers from like the area that I grew up in. And it's great to see them kind of back on top and making amazing games again. So, I, I innately like I want the Doom Eternal soundtrack to be as good as it can possibly be. And when there's news about how like oh something got in the way and made it bad, I wanna I wanna feel upset about that. But I kind of prevent myself from getting too involved because I don't know the story. Mm-hmm. So then it then it becomes well shit, man. How much do you have to know to be reasonably upset sometimes? Yeah. And uh, that I mean I guess you know that just talking about being an adult and how confusing that can be sometimes. But yeah, uh, it's it's tough because you're right, Bruce. You'll you'll never know the full story ever unless you're there, and even then, gosh, there's so much that can go on inside of people's heads that you ne- you're never privy to. Uh, so it's it's tough. But I do feel like uh, I do feel like just in general, the human race likes to. Jump to conclusions and, and inject their emotions into an issue way before they have enough information to do so. But again, Kryken, like you were saying, there's nothing that can be done about that. That's just the world we live in. To do otherwise would be to, to have some kind of like fucking chemtrail thought control going on, <laughs> which is not to imply that isn't already happening.
3: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's true.
0: Well, oh yeah, loot everybody. Sorry, uh, just real quick, loot everybody has a really oh, yeah, good yeah, yeah. point uh reminds me of the way people are when they drive when someone's in a car they're always the ones that are right everyone else thinks they're the best driver on the road at any given time yeah there's it's fascinating i think it's called depersonalization i think whenever other people in cars aren't people um they're just things in your way or you automatically assume they're the dumbest people in the world Mm -hmm. um second time in this podcast i'll bring out my dad in a negative light i guess listen he, he provided half my genetic material and paid for me to grow up, so <laughs> I, I respect him. But <laughs> I remember when I was just, when I was just be- learning how to drive, I was like 16, and my dad is not a good driver. He is, he's also just like, he's one of those people who gets mad at everyone that remotely gets in his way and is always criticizing everyone. It's just not good to be in the car with him because he's always on edge and always like, pissed off about it. there there was like a time where he flipped somebody off and then the dude like tailed him and pulled him over to gas station and was like, Hey, we got a problem and my dad was oh like, boy. No, no, no problem at all. Oh wow. No, my dad my dad caved immediately, which is yeah. another was like, Man, dude, you couldn't even You can be a big man when you're in a car, but the second you get out, suddenly you just turn into a puddle of puddle of water. Anyway, um that's most dads, yeah. I, I sometimes I think I, my dad is the most is peak dad. Um <laughs> But I do recall at one point, I, was, I, I had been driving for a while, and so I, I had just started to sort of build the things that I had pet peeves about, and it turns out my dad did a lot of them. So in the middle of screaming about how some other person was an idiot, he was like changing lanes without signaling, mm. and I actually called him out. I was like, well, dad, you're doing something right now that I would think is an idiotic move. And he was like, no, they're all idiots. And I'm like, well, they think you're idiots too. And that just made him super pissed. And then I learned a very valuable lesson, which is to, to not call someone out when they're aggravated, yeah. or really ever. It's usually not a constructive uh, thing. But yeah, man, people... And that goes back to like, how do, you, how do you give any kind of visibility or perspective onto people? Whenever I see somebody doing something on the road, as a, as a personal mental salvation device... I tell myself it's because, like, they just got diagnosed with cancer, or they're on their way to the hospital f- for their wife to... Oh, shit. Uh, or on their way to the hospital for their wife to give birth. Like, I invent these ridiculously dramatic stories that excuse the fact that they just sort of change lanes without signaling or cut me off or something like that. It's usually never true. Uh, most people are just kind of in their own worlds and not really thinking about it. But uh, it helps. <laughs> it helps for me to invent possible... uh Possible other stories that make people a little a little more considerate Mm -hmm. than I give them credit
3: for yeah I don't know where I was going with no no, it's uh, just a a, (laughs) Another good way to talk about empathy because that's 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 what it is It's just you're just thinking about other people Um, and that was the same Same like I feel the same way I, I always tell the story, but I like I was like Why is this guy going so slow in front of me like and I also I'm a super fast aggressive driver but and so generally I'm always thinking somebody's driving slow, but this guy I pull up next to him and he's hitting this giant pipe and it's 420. And I was like, no fucking wonder. So now, so now every time, every time I'm driving and somebody's going slow, I'm always like, all right, is this person fucking high? Are they doing something illegal? And I'd like drive by them. They're not, but (laughs) just, I always think of that one person that was getting super high. And now I'm like, well, maybe they're just high, (laughs) by the way, that's super dangerous. Don't, you shouldn't be doing that. It's it's incredibly illegal, but, uh, it just it, it gave me a little more empathy for everybody else.
2: Well We did it. That, it turns out, is the word of the podcast. Thank you, everyone. The word was empathy. Wow. Go check your bingo cards now and see if you guessed it right. <laughs> that was the theme of today's podcast. The next one, who knows? Maybe it'll be metal again.
3: I forgot. Kraken
2: was the leader of the podcast. I forgot. I totally That's forgot. That's right. I put a nice little button on it for everyone.
3: All
0: right. Well. Uh, speaking of buttons, Kraken, you mind if I introduce the uh, talk to the internet challenge for the week? Ooh. Yes.
2: Is it about empathy?
0: Uh, you know what? Yes. Um, I'm. Don't ask me to to justify that in any way. But yes, it is. Um, based on our previous discussions, your talk to the internet challenge of the week, and this applies to to men and women. Before you you get ahead of me. Is to go into that wallet, find that condom that you've had in there for the past five years, and wear it for 24 hours. Ooh,
2: don't, don't do that. It would be non-empathetic to leave it just another day long. <laughs> it's waited long enough. Exactly. It's time.
0: It's time. It's been waiting. It's time for you to dig that condom out and try it on. And, uh, and remember what it was like when you bought it the first time.
2: 24 hours. Harder soft. I what it was like? Yeah. Did you I mean, wear it when you first bought it? No, I'm not sure. Yeah, you mean, put you it back in the wrapper.
0: Yeah. You imagine what it was like to wear it? I'm sure, like okay. Bruce did and popped his little boners. Um, <laughs> big boners. I'm sorry.
3: I don't care. Normal, <laughs> average, <laughs> care. average size boners is probably what you mean to say there. Um, all right, we should say goodbye to YouTube because we've uh, we've made it to the end of the podcast. As the leader had spoken earlier. By the way, I'm not trying to be the leader here. Mm-hmm. I'm only just saying I'm echoing what the leader had talked about earlier. Okay.
2: Happy Empathy Day everyone right. and and good night
3: <laughs> bye youtube
1: bye